Oh man, we're on. We're back. <laughs> Here we are. We're always back. We, we are always here. back. That's kind of a fun thing. I like that about us. <laughs> you know, we're not like, always here, but then we're back. Yeah. <laughs> Being back is a great state. People love it when you're back. Yeah. You know, people aren't thrilled when you're lingering. <laughs> If you're just around too much, it's like guys. Yeah, they're got- like no, 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 no. We 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 need you. We need you when you're back. <laughs> That's great, bit. <laughs> oh, you're back. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> just don't. Just go away again and then come back again. Yeah, make make sure you're not around too long. Oh yeah. man, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so I've ranked them. I've ranked them. Okay. Rated them. I'm shocked, actually, a little bit here how how in sync we are. Yeah, it's really it, it, <laughs> it's not too it, hmm. all right. So, so remember in the yesteryear of the last year, the 2020 pandemic, AJ and I departed on a long, arduous journey of watching all the James Bond movies to Mordor and back. <laughs> We 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 did not do the side quests. No, uh, no side quests. <laughs> <laughs> Just the main line story. Yeah, the main campaign. Yeah, uh, but we won, and we had to defeat the final boss of No Time to Die, which kept getting kicked down the road, but is finally here, folks. If you haven't seen this movie yet, please leave this podcast now and go watch it. And yes. go go spend your money on it in the theater. I was a little bummed to hear that it didn't do that much money. Um, maybe it'll it'll bounce back. I don't know. Maybe people are just not are, are don't want to do the movies anymore because of COVID. I think word of mouth is going to be incredible for this movie because so. two things: you get your money's worth. This movie, for as long as it is, it doesn't drag as hard as I thought it would. Yeah. And I think we both got the email from our best friend and good buddy, former the, bandmate. The ZB. email, <laughs> the you electronic know, mail, the where he was like, hey, man, this is a long movie. And me and you were both like, OK, but in reference to the other Bond movies, especially movies like Casino Royale, that's a full 245, man. That's a long movie. Well, this I don't didn't know. feel as long. I thought they said this was the longest Bond this is the longest bond. It I, that's what I thought I read. Uh, I was it, enjoying my time then. It, that's it, interesting. Which you know what though, like if it's longest bond by a minute, like <laughs> right. what difference does it make? But no, I, I I agree with. I mean, honestly, a lot of the older bonds feel like a slog at times because it's just a different era, um, right? And you're like the jokes don't land at the same pace and everything. And it's like, oh man, this movie's gonna take a lot to get through, and it's like an hour and fifty nine minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like this, this was a long movie, but I will stand by. I don't mind a long movie as long mm. as it's paced properly. And there's something to keep you because short movies could drag long movies. You're totally right. Like, I mean, uh, Avengers Endgame, three hours. <laughs> like right. I loved every minute of it. And so this one here, I, I feel like it, I, I didn't, I was not bored. No, I, the movie going experience for this was great. I would say that like the experience of sitting in a theater from start time through the trailers is not something I've done in 
several years. So to sit again and watch the full half hour, 25 minute show of trailers and two AMC commercials, mm. I was ready to <laughs> like have a riot in the fucking theater. But right. once you see the MGM logo, oh, oh my God. Oh my God. I, that's like, that was almost as good as like the old OG 20th century Fox when like you'd have the fucking fanfare and you get a fucking heart on theater. Like that's or the, a whole or the different universal, level. uh, universal one is good too. The universal one is great too. Yeah. You know, uh, um, folks strap in. I hope you have a nice, uh, ride or, um, period of time ahead of you. Cause me and Frank are going to really dive deep into this. Ladies and gentlemen, bond 25, no time to die. <sighs> I've got a martini. <laughs> I wish. I'm, I am. I do not have any more olives. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I, that's the thing. I'm not an olive guy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lemon twist. So uh, I, I was okay. Mm. I was in. I had all the things. I was like, well, I gotta do it. One mm. more ride. Um, mm. um. Yeah, man. Uh, what theater did you go to this for? I did Deer Park once again. Yes. Um, for the IMAX experience. Uh huh. And we went on Saturday morning ish afternoon. So that was kind of our day. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, Very nice. What about you? I did the uh, the aviation right outside Newark Airport, Linden, New Jersey. Um, nice theater. Good screen. Good screen. Also, if you want your COVID wary wife to be able to go to a movie a Monday night at eight o'clock. There's not going to be anybody there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get that, too. Uh, um, oh, uh, so have we podcasted since? I mean, no. I, 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 we so, have, but I don't think we've... This is a different level because it's Bond, so I guess we have to... we got to talk about some shit. Well, yeah. We, we'll, just a quick detour. Um, AJ's mentioned how his wife is pregnant. Um, so is my wife, <laughs> Megan. <laughs> And we've both known about this for a really long time. And it turns out that uh, both of our impending babies are due about a week to 10 days apart. <laughs> yep. Yes, they are. So, yes, um, they are. Look, take a look, uh, keep a look out for the baby podcast coming up sometime <laughs> in the next long two months. Babies. Uh, so, yeah, December babies coming because, of course. Yeah, we needed more like December when, birthdays. <laughs> it's just like when Frank Hans and Henson were like, you know what? We got to make this Muppet Babies cartoon, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they were like, we, 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 we can do this, buddy. But yeah, um, so absolutely. That was the same reason why we went to a daytime movie. That's what we've been doing, too. Uh, less people. And, you know, I, I don't mind buying the seats and being like, I'm just going to go a couple seats over. Maybe it's not the dead center, but not next no, to somebody for sure. or whatever. And it's it's good. It's 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 very nice. Uh, we're very lucky, you know, to live in the modern movie going era. You know, uh, reserved seating, um, advanced, uh, you know, popcorn technology. You know, we're living in, in a great time. Uh, I, you know, we didn't get snacks for this, but we brought our own um, and did a little snowcap action. Nice. And that's my favorite movie candy of all time. Um, uh, I had popcorn. It was basically you get a big, basically breakfast, <laughs> big bag of corn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had to. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, do you do you artificial butter or no? Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 They're like, you want butter? I'm like, please. 
Yes, um, come on. Let's... It's it's fine, and it's it's always kind of sad when you get to about that halfway point in the bag, and it's like, oh, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. But I think these people with the straws on the butter dispensers, those are like the real sociopaths. Oh. Like, like those guys are are really crazy. And okay, really so <laughs> okay, last last popcorn comment. We did not do it this time, but one thing I love: throwing the peanut M and M's in the bag too. Oh, oh, uh, yo. <laughs> Do you, you uh, just real quick, just as a chocolate enthusiast from one to another, uh, Costco has broken the rules of like candy branding for Halloween. Uh, and I literally got a bag of candy that had Snickers and Kit Kats and 100 Grands and Twix and Hershey's. Like, it's like whoa. the Avengers of candy. Um, I would highly recommend getting this bag for your trick or treaters. <laughs> like, okay, good to know. I mean, it's like all the things you want. So they're like, yeah, we know that you don't want the all Hershey's bag because there's only like two that you really like. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> they figured it out. Like, it's only Costco can get that kind of a cinematic. They like, they just like bought everything wholesale and then had some guy in the back mix them together and, and repackage them. I may buy more of these bags. Like it, it's, you know, it's still unknown. Um, but either way, if you're, I am a chocolate candy fan. I know that our good buddy ZB is a big uh, Sour Patch Kids buddy. You're also into the Sour Patch Kids. Yeah, Sour Patch yeah. watermelon. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. They're not and even super sour. They're just nicely sweet. They're, they're, I think at this point, they're sour and then they're sweet. And with that, everyone, that's our candy podcast. So we uh, we have a James Bond movie to watch that we just we just watched. We're going to talk about, Um, uh, you know, I think it's getting good buzz. Uh, Like you were saying before, um, I think it's being well received by audience. I think I think critically, it's maybe not as as well as some of the others, which is understandable. I have actually haven't really read any reviews. Have you read anything? No, I tried to be good because I didn't want any of the other, you know, insights of critics to affect the yeah. podcast. I really wanted it to be just from the heart, which is, you know, hard to do. I think, you know, in today's day and age, in the day of the uh, Internet headline and the log line, you know, you're going to get spoiled. And luckily, there are major spoilers in this movie yeah. and, you know, really didn't get spoiled even I on a either. Monday. I-, I was shocked. I- I'm Maybe because it's not Marvel. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, maybe, maybe, but I also think that the level of maturity for this movie is a little bit different. I think that for guys like us, we've really grown up with Mr. Craig, and and I think that watching him kind of culminate his career in this way, um, especially after looking through the entire lens of the, you know, official, you know, MGM, you know, broccoli Eon Productions, Bond, yeah, Eon Productions, like we've really. We've really run the gamut. So seeing this movie in as much, you know, and and I think I want to start here if if we can, which I know is going to be controversial, but in as much as it was 25 movies up until this point, you know, I think this movie takes a lot from Endgame and really kind of culminates an idea. It's so interesting. So this movie was supposed to come out in April of 2020. Yeah. Originally. That was the original plan. We were going to watch either the Brosnan or the Craig movies and lead up to it and then talk about it. That was our original idea. Right. And then the pandemic hit and everything changed. So, Mm -hmm. so, so April, 2020 is one year 
ish from when Endgame came out. Do you really think that they took cues from that? I mean, I guess it's possible, but or is it just so similar? I mean, I I know the movie making process is a lot faster than one would think, but like, do, <laughs> did they see that movie and be like, all right? Did you watch the, the doc on Apple TV? No. Me neither. And I feel kind of shitty because I was looking for it earlier and I couldn't find it. Um, uh, what I did do, I, I was listening to the official James Bond podcast. Ah, what did they say? Uh, well, they didn't say anything about Endgame. <laughs> but Well, no, no. But it was interesting. So I didn't finish. There's six episodes. I think I listened to three of them. Um, and each one is kind of focused on a different topic, which is pretty cool. Um, so, like, I listened to just, like, Bond in Context, um, you know, Allies, Bond Around the World. So they kind of, like, kind of the way we've talked about Bond, they break it down. There's an episode on music, one on the cars and the gadgets, and then just being Bond. So, like, it's been interesting because it has a lot of who's interviews. hosting it. Who's the who's uh, leading it? Uh, the leader of the pack is um, just British people from the BBC. Yeah, <laughs> some British guy. Uh, hello, we're from the BBC. We talk about I Bond. I think his name is James King. Um, oh. So I don't I don't know who he is, but basically they have all of the actors on. They've got people from behind the scenes. Uh, so it's it's entertaining. It was supposed to come out leading up into um, the original movie. And then they paused the podcast and redid it and reintroduced it uh, over the past few weeks. So um, I still want to go back and finish it. I think it's interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I also don't have Apple TV plus right now. So that's probably why I'm not even thinking about that. But did you watch the baby show? I'm going to send you the link on onward and upward. <laughs> uh, okay. So, so on this podcast, yeah, they, you know, is it is it worth a listen? Should our listeners go check this out? Yeah, I mean, if you if you've gone on the journey with us and you listen to all the episodes of of the movies, and if you're a huge fan, fan of James Bond, yeah, definitely go check it out. Because, and even if you're not like, and you're just really interested in this movie, it'll just kind of complete the experience for you. Because like, I I've always been really interested in interviews and hearing from the the cast and behind the scenes and stuff like that because. It, it makes it you can hear how excited they are about the product. Um, yes. And I think that's key. And it, it, if you know, like, oh, they really cared for this and they wanted it to to do well and they wanted people to, you know, remember it for a long time. Like th this kind of stuff is, you know, like they couldn't do that even 15 years ago, like when the first Craig movie, like they probably weren't doing that kind of content. So um, I, I definitely recommend it. I, I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna check it out. Uh, so, I think. Um, getting back onto the the end game, the culmination of an idea. Uh, I, I I think that there's something to be said that this movie. I mean, we're not gonna get into full spoilers immediately, but this movie ends. Yeah. In a way that James Bond movies do not end. It, it and sure does. I think. You know. In, in so much as we talked about through the entirety of the James Bond franchise, that movie to movie, it didn't seem to be that they were necessarily laying down plot lines to be picked up later as much as they were smart about being reactionary to what was going on in the culture to remain relevant. 
And I think that this movie, in as much as it, in as it's reactionary, it's also intentional in that it like it combines both the idea that, you know, Eon knew that this was probably this is Craig's last ride. There's no more. Yeah. But at the same time, also understanding like this idea of who James Bond is will continue to live on beyond this film. Like, I just want to ask you, like, where do you think like the like Barbara Broccoli like landed after she kind of, you know, was dealing with this process? Like, I I, I got to imagine that that the MCU, you know, and as uh-huh. much as Skyfall is influenced, influenced by the Dark Knight. You know, do you think that the MCU kind of influenced this movie? A thousand percent. So because, like you were saying, they, they look to the context, right? They look to what's going on in the world, what's going on in movie making. And so you start with, with Casino Royale and then you have Quantum of Solace. And then when you get to Skyfall, they start to connect the dots back because they're seeing people want the interconnected universe they're seeing the success that Marvel is having. And so by doing that and, and then taking the next few movies to, to really like lean in on, on the, the continuity, which is not something that bond normally does. Um, they absolutely were influenced by the MCU and, you know, whether they could predict and, and knew the way that, um, uh, the end game was going to go, or they just, because obviously, even like in that year, in 2019, we had the end of Star Wars, we had the end of Game of Thrones, we had the end of the Infinity Saga, uh, and arguably the only really one of them stuck the landing. I think if this movie came out in 2019, we would be like, man, James Bond, they really stuck the landing too. I'm sure that we would have. I think that they really nailed uh, what it takes to culminate a bond like in a way that we've never seen before and i think that you know you gotta hand it up to these writing guys uh who have been on the project for a a long time now a couple of decades to be able to work with you know outside people and to kind of listen to craig and listen to the producers and to come up with this story which i think it just it rings so true it it just it, it like it just has that um, resonance in the culture that I don't think people are prepared to kind of deal with yet. Yeah. Like, and it's going to be interesting because even when you see like a Marvel movie or even the Marvel shows, as we've been talking about them, you see the kind of reverberation through the nerd verse of the implications of what they're talking about. And like really the plot device of this movie, the, the virus part um, hasn't really rattled through yet. And, mm. and I think that it's going to ring real hard, man. <laughs> you know? So one, one other thing to, to react to, I think the idea of this being a culmination, like we, we never really get that with bond in, in no, you're obviously right. from a storytelling perspective, because never happens. Cause they really don't tell, uh, you know, long form storytelling over course of movies. So in, in one sense, yes, they really nailed it that way. But in another sense, they were able to like actually send off a bond, which is something or a bond actor more appropriately. Right. Yes. Like, that's not something that we ever really get. Like die another d- day happens and Pierce Brosnan's done. And that was it. Like, I mean, sometimes, you know, it's their last one, but I think a lot of times they're like, 
I don't know, maybe I'll come back for one more. Or they're like, you know what, you're out. <laughs> so the fact that they could go into this with Daniel Craig saying, this is my last one, I'm done, guys, Like, uh, and let's make it a big deal, it was awesome. And and what what they do next, and we'll get to that probably at the end of the podcast, Like, w- it will be really interesting, but um, we have a, a five-movie arc here that took over 15 years um, and it, and it's, it's one story and, uh, I'm, I'm really and, glad and, we and, went but, on but it. Uh, me too. And I'm really thankful for just like Craig and like, before we get into the plot game, like, I just want to like take a second and like, if he ever hears this, like, dude, you're a fucking amazing person. And, and the, the way that, you know, the culture experienced you coming into it and dealing with you being James Bond and then your the way that you handled being James Bond and ultimately culminated this experience, like my hat's off to you, dude. Yeah. And and I hope that, you know, in the future, like I know knives out Two is knives out Two is coming and there's other projects that he's going to be in Macbeth on Broadway this year. Like he's a tremendous actor and I only hope the best for the rest of your career. And thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Like this was just, it was so amazing to experience with you and to see you do this and to feel the emotions that we've never felt of a bond before. And just, wow, man, thank yeah. you. And, and you know, obviously throughout the whole series, we, the podcast series, we talked about everyone's different perspectives on what bonds and what kind of bonds they like. But um, this was a modern bond and, you know, he did that. Like he did it. He, he did it. He brought something new to the table. Um, you know, maybe he doesn't have the exact image that, uh, you know, from the Ian Fleming novels or whatever. And maybe they, they took new liberties, but they, they, they recreated the character in a way that felt both natural to what came before and, and the way that it had to go moving forward. So again, thank you so much. And, um, let's get into it, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Somehow we made it this far without really spoiling anything. So everyone, if you haven't watched No Time to Die, please go away. Come back once you've seen it. And spoilers in three, two, one. Holy shit. So do you want to play the plot game? Yeah, I do. Um, I do. Um <laughs> retcon uh no um here's the plot game bond uh there's an explosion in london where a new virus has been you know uh taken away by some suspicious forces unbeknownst to bond the mi6 also doesn't know what's going on so they enlist their new 007 to go find what's actually going on in pursuit of said information, we come to learn that this person is tied back to Madeline Swan and that they have tremendous influence and power given this new viral weapon uh, to potentially end the world, which is a plot we have not seen in a Craig. Like there has never been a global threat for Daniel Craig. Hmm. It's a good point. You know, and to see it here. It's been very personal stakes. It's been very personal. It's been very, it's been very, you know, different relationships. This is the first one where we are back to almost a Roger Moore era of 
the world is at stake and we have to fucking save the day here. Right. And, but it's also smart enough to know that we don't need a nuclear bomb because it's no, not, we do not the, the 70s anymore. And they have something that's very modern that, you know, and I wonder, um, well, thank you for your, your, your plot game um, efforts. I applaud <laughs> you. It's, it's definitely a challenging one. Um, it's long. Um, but I wonder if part of the reason why they were very open to moving the, the movie several times is because we're talking about a virus. I am sure that that laid very heavily into it. I'm sure that that laid heavily into it. You know, we haven't seen a biochemical weapon in a Bond movie, I think, since World is Not Enough hmm. and uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Um, so I think now looking at it today is a whole different thing. Yeah. And, you know, watching the movie, um, I I didn't feel like, oh, my God, I can't believe they did this. It's definitely different. You know, it's not. Yeah. Because again, it's 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 fabricated. It's something that the, that was created in a lab. That's a nanotechnology. It's, it's not also like... it's not coronavirus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I think what it's what's different and what's very, I think what's going to work for the MCU in a way that they never intended it to be is the blip. I think the blip is going to serve as the metaphor for coronavirus. Uh -huh. Period. Going yeah. forward, and that they have kind of this new thing that they can play with. Whereas the movies that were supposed to come out in 2019, 2020 they didn't have that. And I think to kind of, whether it was intentional to kind of redo it or the way that they engineered it to, to work together, it's very timely. It's very prescient and it works beautifully. It also doesn't bring in, um, the kind of imagery I was afraid of, which was to mimic what has been going on. Right. You know, I think that people would be very offended and very upset to kind of see COVID played off in these big budget movies you know, as anything less than the crazy tragedy it's been. Yeah. And I'm glad that they didn't, you know, there's no incorporation of what's going on with COVID, COVID in the James Bond world. And, you know, maybe we'll see that down the line. But uh, to have this kind of play on its own, but have the similarities and differences to make it, you know, safe for the movie going audience, like, power to them. Like they could have very easily ended up with a big controversy on their hands. Yeah, they absolutely could have. And, and it's also really interesting that like, this was a, a thing that was created by MI6, right? So it's, it's one of those like things that come back to bite you in the ass. I mean, we've seen that before, like, Oh, the, this thing we didn't think was going to get into evil's hands, blah, blah, blah. Um, that was supposed to be used for good. I mean, even in, um, in, in winter soldier, right? Like, uh, but, sure. but it's so, it's such an interesting concept of like, it's coded to a specific person's DNA. So like you shouldn't be able to, to harm the anyone else. The talky talky parts of this movie with Ray Fiennes. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Exposition orgasm for sure. My friend, like, <laughs> I mean, just the voice alone, you know, like you can get away with him saying so much. Like, that's why, you know, like when, the, if whatever happens next, like, I hope that they keep Rafe around, man. Like he's awesome. And I liked, I, I really loved the, the play when Bond is calling M throughout the movie. And when he's calling him on his shit, he calls him Mallory. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's fucking awesome. Right. It's like, that, I knew you before you were M. You piece of shit. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> fucking Mallory. Come uh, on. <laughs> that's, that's great. Uh, um, yeah. So do you want to, I mean, let's start with, I mean, I, I, let's take the, let's take our, our ratings because I think the ratings will help us get through this yeah. without going crazy. Um, I'm, I think the I'm opening down. sequence here, uh, it's a double, it um, is. you know, it's, I don't remember back to the other bonds of the double sequence. Yeah. I mean, some of them have it, uh, but yeah, I mean, basically what we're talking about here is that there's a flashback. <laughs> right. And which is a fairly extended flashback sequence with uh, young Madeline Swan, which I I think they did a really great job uh, casting that actress. Uh, she looks really like Leah Sadu. So great. And it's also great to like not have the stupid Chiron of like 1997. You know what I mean? Like they were just able to be like, there's a Tamagotchi and a CRT TV. This yeah. is in the past. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, we got you. And and then it cuts to um which I don't think is the present day. I think we're cutting to 2015. Um at the pretty much right after Spectre uh when um after Bond uh captures Blofeld and he's imprisoned and him and Madeline go off into the sunset which is something that we always see at the end of a Bond movie. Um, and so we get to see the aftermath of that, right? But not everything is is, is, uh, is copacetic. <laughs> no, it's really not. It's really, really not. And it's, I mean, that opening village is just, Beautiful. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about this a lot as we come back to the movie throughout it. But I just want to say that this is the most gorgeous Bond movie this is the one of the most artfully directed action films like carrie joji fukunawa like he just he he should be nominated for this like it's beyond gorgeous yeah I the agree. cinematography in this is is artistic like it's not I, we talked about this earlier in the specter and the skyfall where it's an artful bond it's an arty bond but just the composition of these shots, the the lighting, it's it, it uh, really not to go too crazy, but wow! And, like and, the, the, and just like, can you imagine being the scouts for this? Be like, oh my god, the best job in the world! <laughs> like, <laughs> like, go find this beautiful place that will work with this scene. Like, ugh. Oh my god, and and the levels of the extent of work that they had to do to film this opening sequence, like. The specifically the 2015 sequence in the in the in the khaki suit and the DB5, <sighs> uh, yeah, they had to pour seventy thousand dollars worth of Coca Cola onto the ground to get enough traction for the motorcycle sequences. What? <laughs> it's true. That's true. So because anytime it would rain, the cobblestones would become slick as hell and they couldn't drive. So the amount of shooting <laughs> they needed the sticky stuff like Garrett Cole the real shit. <laughs> uh, um, oh uh, man. So yeah, I think this, while this movie doesn't have like an incredible stunt sequence to start it off, you know, it's not like you're right. And, and I, and the whole time I'm kind of waiting for it, you know, because we've seen all these movies, we're like, okay, where is he going to jump off the cliff with the, you know, the parachute? Where is he going to, yeah, go in the jet boat, you know, where is the, where is the memorable moment? And I think that 
the memorable moment they're trying to sear with us is that Daniel Craig's Bond gets to drive the DB5 and that he has the keys to the Batmobile. You know, like, I I mean, I think the motorcycle sequence is really good. The jump Um, is incredible. It's a real jump. It's an incredible jump. Um, But the other thing that a lot of um, opening sequences don't do, and this is probably maybe a reason why I scored it a little higher than you, uh, is because of the emotional context and the plot. It matters. It's not just a, you know, this is some mission he's on or whatever. It's like, this is a continuation of what was happening before. Here's some extra information for you. And we're going to kick you into, um, you know, the movie from here. So real quick. So the sequence where Bond goes to visit Vesper Lynn's grave, right? Mm -hmm. So we're in the theater. We went with, a couple of friends and we were sitting in the theater and you know, you see the scene where you're looking at the grave and then you see the specter card. And then I went, Oh, specter. And then Shana was like, what? And then she, (laughs) when the explosion happens, Shana jumped and screamed. She (laughs) screamed in the theater five minutes in and the people behind us were like, what, what's going on? But the real capper of it, the, the real capper is she couldn't stop laughing like Elaine with the pesticides. <laughs> oh, God. The people behind us got up and moved. Oh, my God. <laughs> she was like, I, I got to leave, man. But that that was a little jump scare in a bond. Ooh, Ooh good yeah. one. Good yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I gave it a nine and you gave it an eight. I went with an eight only because I think that the shots are more memorable than the stunts. And I think that, you know, as much as I love the DB five sequence and, you know, hearing some of the trivia that, you know, they had, you know, five different cars that Aston Martin like produces like special for these movies. Now, like there's a special division within Aston Martin that just makes the bond cars. (laughs) That's amazing. That's imagine that job. Yeah. <laughs> like that is the greatest, that is the single greatest job. I, I, I can't think of a better job period. Like what you're the fucking the scout. That's a good job. That's fine. That's cool. Are you in charge of the machine guns on the DB five? No. <laughs> like, uh, okay. So, you know, and the driving force of it, the negative ending, you know, where you see him leave, swan at the at the train station and you're kind of like well what the fuck is going on like it just it's so chaotic for an opening it's really Um, chaotic and and you think that they're safe right and then all like things are just falling apart so they basically she wants him to to forgive vesper so that they can move on and they can have a relationship and then she'll start to say some more of her secrets and backstory and specter finds them and he thinks that she gave him up basically. Right. And and that they're never going to be safe. And then it cuts to five fucking years later. Just like Endgame. What? Just like Endgame. Just like Endgame. You're right. Um, so, you know, okay. So we get to, um, you know, kind of back into the talking about the plot of this movie. And I just want to kind of kick it back to Jamaica, where we start the James Bond franchise with Dr. No. And also we know Ian Fleming had Goldeneye, which was his estate at Jamaica, where he would hang out and write the books when he was super duper rich and famous and cool. And I think that, you know, 
once you get to Jamaica, like this movie, like it's it runs like it, it kind of has it, it, you know, it, it it's a marathon, but it, it does start running when you get here and you're kind of waiting to see like we've seen the trailers. We've seen some of the stuff about what's happening with Bond, but you're so curious, like when you get there that you're like, OK, this is his estate. OK, that's cool. All right. He's going to go in and, you know, one of his buddies has been here, so he's going to go see what that's about. Okay, we're in a dance hall place in Jamaica, and then you get Felix Jeffrey Wright. Woo! Oh, he's Jeffrey so... Jeffrey Wright as Felix is awesome. He's 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 the best. I love like, him. He, he really is the best. Like in Casino Royale, when you first meet him, the relationship that he has with Bond, the way that we think about the CIA, like re two thousand and six, like he's such a good kind of gray character for that time. Yeah. They they used him correctly throughout the series where they didn't overuse him, but they also, you know, they gave they give him an amazing send-off here. Yeah. Well, and it's it is surprising cuz he's not in it. It was the last one uh, Quantum of Solace. He hasn't been in the last two, right? Yeah, he hasn't been in the last couple. So like bringing him back was was great. Um I, I another sidebar like Obviously, he's done a lot of things right now. He just did What If. Um, Coming yeah. soon from us. <laughs> um, just go and watch season one of Westworld. Yeah, just yeah. Beca- for Jeffrey Wright alone. That's all I'll say. <laughs> okay. Okay. The other two seasons, eh, if you're really invested, go for it. But season one. Um, yeah. And and I think, you know, this, this movie kicks off in Jamaica, like, because there's, I mean, that opening sequence is what, 20 minutes? 30 minutes it's a long it's time long. It's so long. It, it lets this movie kind of have a prelude and then they can they can go from there um so we both sc- scored this plot a nine um i think it's pretty solid like it's not too contrived i think it's pretty believable that um you know we we're saying before mi6 has some sort of weapon that they produce that got gets into the wrong hands there's some turncoats and blah 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 um i like the the little twisty twist of like Blofeld is actually controlling things or he thinks he's controlling things and he's going to try to kill bond, but then ends up killing all specter. Like that's, that's really great. Um, that's wild. Like, (laughs) uh, you know, that's really like really nuts. And you're, you're like watching this guy. You're like, huh? Like, why is he switching this thing out? Just like wants to save bond. That's cool. Right. But (laughs) I want to, I want to get back to this other point. So, you're in Jamaica and we've seen the trailers and you've seen um, what's her name? Natasha Lynch. What's her name? Uh, Lashana Lynch. Lashana Lynch. Excuse me. Um, and she picks up bond and we know from the trailers that she's going to be in a plane with him later. So, you know, you're like, okay, what's, what's kind of her role here? Well, when, I didn't even think we knew that she was a double O agent from the oh, trailers. We, yeah. You, she's like two years, but yeah. when you hear that she's double O seven, there was a gasp in my theater. Yeah. I, what about you? Uh, there weren't enough people to, to gasp, but I mean, there, I, there's I, an audible gasp. I, um, I knew that this was going to happen. Like, not like because I was spoiled. I just like, this is, that makes sense. He's retired. If there's a new double O agent and there's all this discussion in the, the pop culture, like, again, they're listening. Are yep. they going to make uh you know, a new bond? Is it going to be a woman? Is it, are they going to have a black actor? All this stuff. And they, they give you Nomi 
as 007. And like I, my, I, after seeing the movie on Sunday, I saw my parents and they'll probably see it eventually that they didn't care. And then my dad's like, how could they have a new 007? I'm like, it, exactly. That's the whole thing. That's the it's whole a, point. That's the whole point. They're that's trying the to prove point. to you. They're like, well, they didn't retire his number. I'm like, that's a, they say that in the movie. <laughs> like, right. Because, it, it, yeah. When you get to that point and you get that reveal, I, I think that it's so, it's so important to put Bond beyond the conversation. Right. So even if they're like, yeah, he's James Bond, he gets reinstated later, yada, yada, yada. No, 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 no. The franchise itself, fundamentally at the beginning of this movie, is telling you, we are okay. <laughs> we will be fine. It is you people that have to deal with this. And you have to reckon with the fact that there is going to be other 007s one day. And right. that the way that you've seen these movies up until now you are very lucky. You've gotten amazing content and they have worked and it's this character that rings true all over the world. But you, but we're cool. We got this. Right. And I think that this is a very strong message. I think that they did. I've seen that they have locked this actress down for a decent contract. I'm very sure that's why she left Marvel. Mm. Um, da, 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 da. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, I think they make a, a good like, plot point too in that like obviously this particular bond daniel craig's bond has like gone into hiding or retired or whatever before like we've seen that yep and so but they make a big point here that like no he like really really went off the grid five years they thought he was dead like and they were just like it's not worth it move on they got in contact with swan and she didn't know where the hell he was she's like just move on Exactly. And, so. you know, so I'm I'm really proud of the the production on this. I think the franchise is very smart to do this. Um, and I think that she's great. And I'm very excited to see her in the Bond family going forward. We'll talk about what's coming next at the end of this podcast. <laughs> yep. Uh, so moving right along, the Cuba sequence is miraculous. Ooh. This okay. this is what I was waiting for. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. I mean, this is and it feels so Bond, right? Like yes. So first of all, he's not working for or with MI6 at this point at all. No, at all. He's he's a rogue agent. He's just helping CIA because he's chilling on Jamaica, like obviously having a fabulous time. Right. They're like. Will you help us? At first he says no. They then he changes his mind once he knows kind of the the details. Um and I love, love, love Anna de Armas's character. Like she is fantastic. She is really great. Um, uh she's really fun. Super fun, like so fresh. I think her name character's name's Paloma. Like you think she's one thing, but then she's like playing him the whole time. Like, um, she's so badass. Like, obviously, we've seen badass women in in the Bond movies, but on the and we can get to this in her category too. But she's not just your typical like, oh, go meet this beautiful woman in a dress, and she's gonna help you, and then go away. No, she's gonna help you and kick a lot of ass, and then she's gonna be done. It's like it was a pleasure working with you. There's no sex, no nothing. 
it was really it. it was really nice and i think that they played that sequence like so it it, sh- it just worked so well this to me you know this sequence and her character's introduction it felt like maybe you could sort of see the seams of the Phoebe Waller bridge of it all. Mm. And I, I just to quickly mention, this is a great, amazing uh, British comedian actress uh, who is in an Amazon prime show called Fleabag. She's also the uh, droid in um, solo who goes on to become pretty much the soul of the millennium Falcon. But yep. uh, she, from what we understand uh, was brought into this movie to help with uh, the, the script. And, you know, some of the press I had seen earlier from the British press, actually, was that, you know, was she only brought in here to deal with the female characters? And the producers said, absolutely not. She was here to fundamentally help the script. And I think that the comedy in this movie is very different from the other Craig movies, but it works so fucking well. And it's her. It's got to it, be her. It's got to be her. Like, these jokes are straight out of Fleabag. It, it is, she, it, it really helps the, the story to rock and roll, whereas I think we could have been saddled with a five-minute sequence of Paloma and Bond feeling each other out. <laughs> like, the two minutes where we are introduced to each other, they go into the wine cellar. She's like, this is in my room. This is a fucking wine cellar. Here's a tuxedo. Yeah. Like, like that is such a perfect, like spy craft. Well, downtime moment. And it, and it, it flips your expectations on its head. You've exactly. seen the bond movies before. You're like, Oh, he's going to go and they're going to go make out and it's going to be a thing. Blah, blah, blah. No, absolutely not. And he's like, all right, cool. He's right. like, he, he's checked. It's like, I see. <laughs> and then he's like, will you turn around, please, if we're not going to sleep together? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Great. The, the, uh, her fight, her fight sequence in the Cuban club is shot excellently. Uh, again, I, we're not, we're going to say this a thousand times. Carry like the action that he shoots, like it's, it's Rocky cam, but it's also, you can see the action you can see it from a different uh, angle than you've ever seen it before to accentuate the brutality. Like it, it just, it, it just, it, it's like rock and roll music. Like it just, like, it just plays like power chords when she's doing the kicks and she's flipping around in the dress. Yeah. Like it just, it just rocks. <laughs> and Megan was like, how do her boobs stay in her dress? How did her boobs stay in her dress? How do we not see her, you know, coochie meow meow? Like it's just amazing. <laughs> You know, yeah. and and then this specter party, this specter party seemed packed with Easter eggs. I'm Did sure. Did you think that? I, I'm sure it was. Um, I don't know. There's a guy who looks like Goldfinger. There's a guy who looks like you know all the you know all the crazy henchmen guys. Like yeah, it just felt like they went to Central Casting and they're like Bond adversaries. <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know, like we need these guys here for this shot right now. Yeah. And then once you kind of put together the eye and then and we're going to come back to Cyclops later, but the eye kind of bit of it was a very powerful choice and it works. Yeah. What do you think? I think it's really cool. I mean, earlier in the movie, I'm like, why did he grab the eye? He should have grabbed it. And, but I guess if he was done with, with spy life, he wasn't about to go send it to Q and get it analyzed or whatever, but 
it's it's very cool because I mean even in Spectre the movie like we get this sense that Blofeld is watching over everything right and so you like see this physical representation of it and like still like I'm a little fuzzy on the whole like how he did it all but it doesn't really matter it's like he he got captured he never really lost contact and he was always kind of in control yeah because he's because <laughs> he's Blofeld and that's that's what he does that is that is that is the titular role of him he is in charge we don't know about it yeah um when you i think the the important part of the eye and kind of what the eye also represents in a couple different places we can talk about this now i think that they kind of amped up a little bit of the sci-fi elements from the roger moore uh pierce brosnan days in this movie than they have in the other craigs and that they were like we have to go beyond people's day-to-day realistic bullshit yeah and we have to be a little bit more escapism so i think any shot where you see that crazy looking virus stuff looks like vibranium i think when you see the eye you're kind of clued in that this is technology we don't understand um and bond always pushed the envelope like in terms of tech and so they kind of played it close and and safe for a while and the gadgets were kind of like a little plainer Yes. Um, and, and yeah, I do. I agree with you. They kind of took another step forward to try to make it feel futuristic in a way. You know, it was my favorite gadget. Can you uh, guess? Uh, I don't know. The watch. Watch was cool. What would be what would have been like in the theater? You'd be like, AJ, shut up. I've been like talking about it. what do you think? Uh, I'm trying to remember all the gadgets. Fuck. As we transition into the gadgets cue car segment. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, the magnets. The magnets in the elevator shaft. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved, cool. I loved that. I was like, these are smart people. <laughs> <laughs> so They uh, fucking know me. So quick sidebar. I, so we saw this on Saturday. On Friday night, we rented uh, Fast 9 because we didn't see that. Ooh, I, don't know okay. if you, I don't know if you've seen it yet. I have not seen it. Well, if you like magnets, <laughs> go watch okay, Fast a Nine. Of, a lot of magnets. Lots of magnets. It's a very magnetic weekend. <laughs> um. So, uh, do you? Is there more? I mean, there's more plot to talk about. Like we didn't talk about the whole plot, but no, we're. I mean, just. I think it's done well. I, I think the whole story. Well, from, what? This is a bond with a twist. And it's an interesting twist. It has a couple twists. But I think the first twist, and we could talk about in this section, um, is is Bond's daughter. And I think that... uh, I'm sure that this is the first time we've ever seen a a Bond junior. Um, Ah. I've watched all these goddamn movies. Yeah, I don't think they did that. Um, and I think doing it, do we believe that he's got a lot of juniors out there? Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Especially in the Connery Moore days. Yeah. There's some, there's some, there's some babies out there. Uh, but this one, you know, they were very smart to keep this away from the marketing Yeah, and to kind of let it play on its own. Um, there are moments when I really, really like it, and there are moments where I'm like, I don't know. This seems a little. I don't know. Where do you land on it? 
I think I like it. Um, again, this is another very end game thing. And yeah. So I, I, the more like I, I do agree with you, it feels like the whole movie feels very end game. So whether they saw it first and then change things, it's possible. But um, yeah, that, that I like it. I think it's something, something we've never seen with bond before um, because like we've seen him care about female characters, like movie to movie that, have held over right like there's the tracy of it all and Mm -hmm. vesper and so like having madeline back like is appropriate but we've never seen this and i do like that at first it's like no she's not yours and so at first i'm like they should just lean into that make it that be it but then i don't know it's like why even do do that like i guess she just wanted to like hurt him no i i or does he never th- even believe her? And he's like, all right, whatever. No, I think the way that they do it is correct. I think if you have the part in the, in the middle of the movie or in the beginning middle of the movie where you say this is his kid, you stop the movie. And then we have to deal with the fact that like James Bond has a kid. Yeah. He didn't know he had a kid. It's not just a baby. It is a full blown kid. Right. And it has his eyes and it, it has his eyes it, and it's like, yada, yada, yada. I she's think like they, four years old in nine months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that they save a lot of time in the movie to be able to be like, she's not yours. Don't think about it. <laughs> and then we can kind of subtly wonder as the audience. Well, is she? Maybe well, she is. And maybe then they she tease isn't. it throughout because the way that she talks to Safin about it and he's like, uh, you know, his daughter, this, that. So it's like, Characters are saying it, and it's confirmed on screen before he knows it. The ambiguity works. Like yeah. it, it, it really lends to the idea. I think that if they had gone full Endgame and made it like he's away with his daughter, and they have this little house, and then he gets come back, like I don't think that would have worked as well. I yeah. think to do it in this way allows both us as the audience and James Bond as the actual character to like absorb this fact, deal with it figure out his basic relationship to her and then move on, you know, which is he wants to protect her. He's a loving, good man. And I think that through the lens of seeing it this way is one of the first times we ever get to see like the morality of a James Bond, like actually have to come into play, Hmm. you know, whereas like when he's driving this car and they're fleeing, that is a different level of stakes. Right. Yeah. Even if, even if it was just him and Madeline, like is he's going to be a little bit more reckless than, than if it's just him. I'm backwards. Um, he, his like recklessness will, will scale down based on who's in that car. Right. Like, and so we've seen it before when there's someone he cares about, but like, this is even more like, Oh, I I can't, you know, go over bumps. (laughs) stuff. Like, Like it's still crazy, but, um, I, I, I do think that there's an element that, and I'm glad they didn't do anything that she's like, James, don't do this or blah, blah, blah. Like, it's like they're being about to be murdered. <laughs> like, they need to, he's gonna, he's the best chance you've got. Like, trust Well, him. that's where, that's where, like, kind of I identify him with him, with him is that, like, I would do anything I physically could mm-hmm. in, my, in my Toyota SUV that I could. Like, it right. wouldn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, I would literally do it would like the, the, there is no level of compromise that I would go to, to protect my kid. Right. You know, like it is just, I would protect them, (laughs) you know? And I think that they play that really well. And the excellent 
the car chases in this movie are on a different level. Like it's just the yeah. stunt performance, the stunt drivers, the thematic plot elements of it, like especially um, the sequence where you see the two SUVs going towards the compound and they're driving away only for them to redirect and come back towards them. Yeah. Like that's just, it's so intentional and, and, and thoughtful. And then to see the helicopters and the new land rovers and the bikes, just to see plot with the story combined again, this Mm -hmm. is the future of cinema. Yeah. It's not that, there is this extraneous skiing sequence in the middle of the movie. I was, I got out of the movie. I was like, AJ's going to be so happy. There was no skiing. (laughs) There was snow. There was ice. Crazy wave file. (laughs) Oh man. Uh, There was no skiing, but yeah. Um, So the last thing I'll say about the plot, um, we haven't really talked about Safin at all. Um, So we know we, and no, we learned that he, uh, he killed Madeline's mother. Correct. He was looking for Mr. White. Correct. But Mr. White was not there. Of course. And um, basically, he's got this vendetta against Spectre because Spectre killed his family. Yes. Right. So we've got two villains. But, but who is his family? Keep that in mind too. His family is the controllers and 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 uh proprietors of the poison garden a ussr soviet based island laboratory for chemical weapons right and i think that as complicated as those sentences sound (laughs) the end result to get to the lair he inhabits at the end of the movie is so worth it it is it's uh, I'm I'm in on that. Right. And, and and as I can suspend my disbelief to get to that lair because it is so excellent. It's it so is excellent. it. The production design on that is awesome. The I mean, it's, in the garden it's straight out of the Ken Adams era. Like, oh, it's so there. Yes, exactly. The brutalist architecture, the cement. Uh, it's it's really it, it's such a it. it it's such a callback and an amazing send off to the, the kind of production design that, that bond is famous for. Yes. Uh, and I think that it works. I, I think that if they, as convoluted as that was to get to that set, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> so just to tie this loop back up. So basically Safin yes. Yes, is, uh, he's the one that's orchestrating the, the, the change of the, uh, device in Cuba so he's the one that is in control and uh, kills all of Spectre. Uh, and then he even meets with Madeline after reuniting with her, uh, whatever. I don't know how old she was, 20 years later. Um, and to, to try to kill Blofeld, to get his revenge. And so um, let's talk about this for a minute. So... Yeah, we have first of all, we have Bond and Madeline reunite for the first time in five years after they don't see each other from when he leaves her on to get on the train. Yep. And they're going to see Blofeld uh, because reasons. And, you know, Madeline is the only one that he talks to. She's the psychiatrist or whatever. 
Um, and so they both go, and but before that, we see Safin with with Madeline, Madeline, and gives her this poison the the nanobot technology thing that is specific to Blofeld, and I, I guess otherwise, does he already know about the daughter or no? Like, what's his threat? He's going to kill everybody she loves. The standard villain plot. Hmm. You got to imagine you'd hope he knew about the daughter, right? I guess he maybe knew. he didn't. Maybe he didn't. Either way, so she can't go through with it. James touches her. There's a great scene with Blofeld, like Christoph Waltz back. Like he w- he was one of the highlights of the last movie. Poor Christoph Waltz, man. <sighs> yeah. I mean, just I mean, this scene is very nice, and he is equally menacing in this as he is in the really menacing scenes of Spectre. But this guy needed pages and pages more of dialogue well the thing is like he's not the villain of the movie he's a side character i'm talking about specter oh Uh, but uh, but you know it's interesting because he's never gonna have that you know yeah so he's kind of like it's interesting it's imagine if we hated a joker you know what i mean like imagine we we did we hate image we all hated jared leto's joker and we're like this is not the joker this is not our guy. But then you get a Joaquin or you get, a, you know, a Zack Snyder cut and you get to be like, oh, shit. Yeah. I mean, if, if there's one missed opportunity about this Craig verse is that they didn't introduce Blofeld sooner. No, they should have. Right. He should have been showed up in the earlier films like he did in the end of From Russia With Love and Dr. No to lay the groundwork for a real serious yeah. villain. And they knew that. And, you know, they were just rushing at the end of the day anyway. But I think what we get out of Christoph Waltz in this character is a culmination of the arc. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and, and that sometimes you got to be happy with that, you know? Yeah. They they at least, you know, they brought him back. He has a fulfilling plot in this movie where, you know, he's kind of used against his own, you know, better judgment to destroy his own bad guys. Right. What well, that's, and, that's a, a great twist. And, and obviously then we also he- learn that he was the one behind, uh, the beginning of the film in, in splitting yes. up, uh, bond and Madeline. And he's just continuing to torture James. <laughs> he knows how to do it. He's really good at it. Very, very good. <laughs> you know, I, I think that these bond movies, and this is only because I just watched the Sopranos. Like, they both benefit from some really generous retconning. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they left a good well of stuff to dig with with Mr. White and Blofeld. And to also to have the loom of Spectre be more important than the actual Spectre in a way that, like, the the bad guys in the MCU can't. Right? right. Like, the, the idea of Ultron can't loom larger than uh, you know the idea of thanos right like it has to be that ultron he caused some shit but like thanos killed half the universe (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah you know like there's a differentiation of levels here there's levels uh they're padded they're carpeted they're nice you could sit on them like ancient egypt (laughs) um check it out on netflix folks uh so i don't know 
I like this scene. Again, I think that there should have been more Christoph Waltz. They're very smart to bring him back. Uh, I think the scarring and the makeup on him was very good. Yeah. I'm excited to see more Christoph Waltz with uh, Daniel Craig. Um, I hope that Ryan Johnson knows how good the chemistry is and is saving that for Knives Out 3. Ah, that'd be fun. You know, really get him some... Cre- like, And also, has anybody seen you know, Christoph Waltz be as badass as Hans Landa. Like, will there ever be a more menacing character in film history than Hans Landa? No. Like he's the happiest Nazi in the world. Like <laughs> you can't beat that. Like, you know, so, but fun to see him here. I thought the, the fucking overhead track seat system that has to get uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, you just, just stuck. I mean, <laughs> you just can't do anything. What do you do? You got to take a piss. You got to take a shit. What do you do? I mean, I, I don't know. That's a whole thing. Does he have like a magneto cell where it's all like plastic and shit? Like what happens in there? You know, I just, uh, how did he get in contact with everyone? What does he have? Does, is, does he have an eye in his eye? eye? It's the eye. It's the eye. And I love that they don't explain it. That's explain genius. It. Like they're not like, oh, it's an ocular implant in his eye. And he could see through his left eye and his right eye at the same time. No. So they're like, it's doesn't like matter. Nick, Nick Fury sort of Absolutely. Like thing. Okay, fine. So anyway, he dies. Um, oh, but yeah, brutally. Brutally, which like I love the tension in that, right? Like, you know it's happening. As soon as Bond touches Swan, you're like, fuck. He's going to lose control and he's going to hit Blofeld and that's going to be that. Like, but they just milk it for every second of its worth and it's great. Um, it's... It's the sad. only thing I think that could have maybe worked a little bit better had Blofeld known about Saffron in a mm-hmm. way that the Joker is taunting Batman about Two-Face, mm-hmm. you know, where he's like, I have an ace in the hole. Like, well, you know? uh, he kind of does. He's like two, uh, two enemies uh, or, or is it Bond that says it? That's like. You know, enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of situation. Like they, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, there's a little bit there, but I guess he didn't. He obviously he didn't know that Saffin was gonna twist it and and kill all of his agents. (laughs) Yep. Uh. So like, yeah, that's it. Was a it was a good sequence. Um. So moving right along because we've already passed an hour. We've got lots to talk about still. Yeah. Still. Um. I guess let's let's knock out some of these other car- categories before going too further into the movie. Sure. Um, so, gadget, gadgets, Q and car. Uh, I mean, we've already gushed about so much of this. Um, we both gave it a nine. Um, well, the, but the, but the watch is important. The watch um, is important, and as is the the little mapping device. The, the mapping device is also important. Uh, you know, this, I, this movie felt like a video game. In a good uh, way. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Like, especially the end where it's like, you got to go fight your final boss. Like, and I kind of like that. It's like, okay, here's your things that you're going to use. And like, I mean, most of the time when they give them the the, the gadgets, it's like, you're, you're going to see them use it. But like, here's the thing that's going to give you a map so we can follow along with going on because we're in a bunker somewhere else. Like, I thought the EMP watch was going to be used to kill the nanobots. Ooh, that was my, that was where I thought we were going. Um, that would have been interesting. 
It would have been interesting. Um, I found it quite curious that the nanobots were indestructible and that you have them for life. Um, if they run really well, hammered that home, <laughs> they really hammered that home. Um, you know, that to me seemed a little bit like, I don't understand that. I, they're, they I, run electricity. They, unless they're they quantum had, computing, they had to make, they had to draw a line in the sand. Yeah. They had to draw a line in the sand. Very specific reason that we won't get into right now. Like it, my cousin Ethan doesn't even have quantum computing lit. He's like the most smart person I know. Like they're like, to me, like the the obvious answer was he puts the you know EMP weapon like on his body. He blows the EMP. Maybe he's like out for a minute, but like he wakes up. Like that's really what I thought was going to happen. He's uh, not Neo. <laughs> you're right. You're de- you're so, you're certainly right about that. Um, and, and they hammer that home. Yeah. You know, I think that the the gadgets in these movies you know they had to go away for a while i think people miss them i think people miss uh the exciting sci-fi elements of bond i think that that's a a people downplay uh the importance of that and i think that even looking back at the legacy spy who loved me um moonraker goldeneye uh you know these movies have heavy sci-fi you know, technology elements Mm -hmm. that were ahead of their time, but prescient to the matter. And, you know, I think that they were right to kind of say, you know what? People need a little bit of suspension of disbelief and it can't just be all character, all, you know, character, you know, movements all the time. And that we need some, we need some gadgets and, and that they were smart to use the gadgets they did, you know? Yeah. We're not in the world of the laser watch anymore, but we're at the, you know, you're at an EMP watch. You're at a, the plane that flies out of the bigger plane. Right. That they've never flown before. <laughs> Incre- incredible. Like that was very cool that it turns into a submarine. Yeah. Super cool. Like really incredible, you know, believable stuff. But it's, but, you know, again, pushing the envelope of like what we can believe versus what we know to be true in this crazy world that Daniel Craig's bond exists in kind of singularly. And, you know, I, I don't know this movie had gadgets. It also had a great cue. I think Ben Wishaw, like he's kind of nailed this like new nerdy it guy, uh, angle of Q, and that the, his character, when you catch up with him in this movie, uh, you know, he's a friend of Bond. Like, it's not it's not just that they are, um, you know, they work together. Yeah. It's that, you know, they he is tied to success. The, the success of his gadgets and work is dependent for Bond to succeed. But it's also, you know, Bond needs these gadgets to work. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like Q, Money Penny. It's like they're family almost. And- yes. Like uh, to a degree, Mallory, like, I don't know. Um, they've been through so many things that it's not just a job. Um, but there is kind of, you know, still an element of like, (laughs) he's like, Oh, I guess it's not a nine to five. Right. Um, and you know, you've got that, that cool scene when they go to his apartment and like, he's, you know, about to make dinner for, you know, a date. (laughs) Like, yeah. and, And that, and that's great. Like, um, you get to see what? him as a real person instead of just like a guy that pr- creates all these cool gadgets. Were they saying he's coming over for a date? He, they did. 
Okay. They did. Which at first was very confusing to me because I was like, wait, Emma's coming over? I think that's who I assumed <laughs> that he was. Uh, but no, they mean that he has a male partner. <laughs> so, great. I mean, the idea that a character named Q being gay, that definitely works. Uh, yeah <laughs> you know like, so what is his name we don't know what his name is no we don't know what his name that's actually a great bit that's very funny you know i wonder what the old q's name was you know yeah that'd be that'd be funny to go back and ask <laughs> uh yeah so yeah. I, I think his performance in this was great i love his man in the chair aspect to bond nowadays you know where when you know, the end of this movie, you know, Q figures out what's about to happen. It's so interesting because like at a moment and I think about this a lot as I'm watching uh, movies and TV shows that have been made in the era of the pandemic. I for a moment during this movie, I was like, oh, that must be because of the pandemic. But I'm like, no, probably not. It, it Like I just felt at times like he was like distinctly separated from people. But I guess that's just be uh, the way he is. Like, that's his the way he works. Oh, of course. And this is the most interactive cue we've ever seen. Like, thinking back even to Skyfall, you know, yeah. that they're very linked together um, in a way where the old cue was really just the quartermaster. You know, it's a different, right. different he, role. He's the quartermaster for a, you know, gamut of agents. And Bond is right. the one that is a pain in his ass. Whereas Absolutely. here, this is like... No, like I, I work for everybody else, but he's kind of my favorite. It, absolutely. He's like, ah, I like this guy. And, you know, his performance is great. I think he really brings, uh, I like his cue. I, I, I don't know what to say. Like, I, I don't care. You know, like I'm just happy to see him there. Kind of like the same thing with that money penny girl. Yeah. You know, she brings very little. She has a couple of jokes. She, occupies the role but i'm it's not that i'm like thrilled that she's amazing i'm just like oh she's fucking back she's back good job and and you know i like the way that they handled her over the movies where at first you she's a field agent they've got this history blah 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 uh but you know they modernize the money penny she's no longer just a secretary right like right and i think that was important to do um and to have an ally right in in, yeah, somebody in who's going to have his back. Exactly. And that that's really what it is. More uh more than like, you know, the the coy interest that they that they always played with uh with the uh in the Maxwell era. Um so, Bond girls. I wouldn't even really count money penny this time around. We're I mean, we did in the past. Uh I I count 3. Do you count 3? Or do you count two? So Leah Sidhu, Paloma, and and Nomi? I guess. I you know definitely She is literally a Bond girl. She 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 That is, is her definition. And I think that's why we both gave this a ten. So the female talent in this movie is beyond. It's just it's, it, they they brought it to another level. Like they really did. They had you know, a, a main character that was from a, a previous film that was important to the plot and to the relationship. And you you want to know her story. And it's like, actually, this movie is mostly about her. Um, mm -hmm. 
and she she's fantastic. Loved loved it. Um, I you know I, I went into this being like I don't know what she's gonna do. I don't know what's gonna happen. And then again, audible gasp when she's 007. <gasps> oh my god. Yeah. Um, it is only in the Cuba sequence where you're seeing her being as competent, but not as flagrant, you know, and you're seeing why she replaced bond, you know, and that she's more even keeled. She's more level headed. She's not as emotional, you know? And I think that they really, without hammering home in all the ways that like Sean Bean tried to be like, I was better than you. You didn't know like all that bullshit. Like, she is better than him, actually. And but she still, to, to me, feels a little green. Like, she still feels like... Well, nobody's ever going to be James, not Commander Bond. She's, but... she's still going a little by the book, and he's... Yeah, he's he's willing to, to improvise a little more than she is. Um... Well, I think that, that also is the little bit, I think, of the... And this is going to be a very interesting idea. That's, I think, the Mission Impossible of it. I think that this is why, you know, he's James Bond and he's, you know, Ethan. You know, it's a it's these guys take risks you could not possibly understand. Mm-hmm. Like it's beyond even this level of secret agent. Like these are guys that will flip helicopters over like, it, you know, like she it's her job. This is his life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And obviously it's even more so because it's like this plot is literally surrounded around, you know, he was going to be killed twice. Uh, His not wife, but significant other is entwined in this plot with this villain. And now he might have a child that is his like it it is literally his life at stake here. Um, And she's just there. And and it's honestly it's really awesome to have kind of a co-pilot. Um. It is nice. It's a two hander, you know, it's in the same way that, you know, and I've seen somebody talk about this, like Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weiss, like they're both the lead characters in the mummy. Yeah. You know, it's not that there's just Brendan Fraser and she's the damsel. It's that they're working together, you know, and I think that they do a good job of hammering that home in the second and third act of this movie that they, they need each other. And it's important though, that it's not the entire time. Like I think they make a good distinction that like he, he has his moments where it's like, this is him and this is his movie. Um, But we also get to see everything that she can do and why they need to team up. Yeah. And when you kind of see her, like anytime you see her in action, like even the title line, you know, the way that they kind of play it with the two of them, you know, like they give her the, you know, the roll credits line, you know, this is time to die, you know, like, and they yeah. give him this, the, the inverse, like, I, I don't know. I, I think she was really wonderful. And, and, you know, if they go on, I, I think just to allude to what we think could come next, I think a 007 movie, just call it 007 dealing in the same way that these movies have been, you know, reactive dealing with the loss of the real James Bond. And, who is going to be 007? What's what does that really mean? Like, is she taking on a new mantle? Like, are we a, a starting a new character here? Like, what does that 
what does that mean for the future? I think that could be a very viable, if not, you know, long term, you know, it could be a viable sequel entry, you know, that it, maybe it's not James Bond, maybe it's just 007, but what does that, what does that mean? And like, how do we navigate that uh, now? Cause I, and then I don't want to get to, cause I, there's other stuff I want to talk about, but I want to get back to Leah Sidhu, yeah. who I, I think is just, Holy shit. She's magnificent smoke show hot. <laughs> like just on a different level of like, she's like classic Hollywood beauty. She's not even from Hollywood. Yeah. Um, the clothes that they give her in this movie, uh, they give her so much to do. I wish we got another scene inspector where she was therapizing somebody. Yeah. That's, a, that's really a good point. Cause they often are just kind of like, oh, right, she's, you know, this, and then you don't really get her to see what she does. But, like, you do get the feeling that she's, she has a very specific job and she does it very well, right? Like, but you only get little scenes of it in the, in the movies that she's in. Yeah, it, it's, I don't know. She's really... I'm glad that they were able to keep her and I'm glad that they used her in this way to give her more role, to give her more advocacy, to have her be a, a very nice counterpoint to James Bond. Um, yeah, just thoroughly yeah. love, impressed by her. Love, love, loved her. Um, Anna de Armas also, obviously, yep, fabulous work. Um, you know, not as much time as the other ladies, but still I, I think like stole the show during the time yeah. where she was on screen when she's on screen it's it you can't look away yeah. you can't and and she's so lovable and so funny and so jovial i think that's like one of the jokes i think that they were trying to play with us is like all the new characters were smiley and happy to be there whereas like all the old characters are so broody 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 <laughs> and it's kind of like looking at us like oh you guys are like happy to see this crazy shit yeah you know like what the fuck is that about <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like why are you thrilled for this you know and yeah. it, that was definitely interesting and uh i, I don't know I, I i liked all these ladies i thought they were really good yeah. i i'm excited to talk about mr malik um now i, I think that you know, one of the things that we know, again, of Bond is it's very reactionary. They want to go after hot actors. They want to go after hot musicians. And, you know, I think that after um, Mr. Robot, which I imagine is an incredible show and uh, the tremendous success of Bohemian Rhapsody, mm -hmm. I think, you know, they looked at Rami Malek and they were like, hey, man, what do you think? And, you know, he's almost there. It's not his fault. It's yeah. not. He's fantastic. And he's a fantastic actor. They did not give him enough to do. Yeah. I just think that, like, in a movie where you have Rami Malek and Christoph Waltz as these two pillars of villainy, <laughs> and they have this, like, yeah, but so much potential that you don't do either one to a hundred percent. And I just, that's, that's to me kind of the biggest flaw of this movie and that like, yeah, it's tied and it's, it's an emotional connection. And he has this vendetta against 
Spectre and, you know, he's the, you know, the two face to uh, the Batman. He really is like he is exactly like James in so many ways. And they talk about that, how they both have similar visions and obsessions, but they go about things in a different way. But he's barely in the movie. So there's major conspiracy before this movie. Did you see this, that he was supposed to be playing either a reinvigorated or a rebooted Dr. No. I did. Did you see this? Yeah. I think they should have done that. I think they should have done it too. Um, I think that would have been a smart thing to do. Um, and it wasn't to say that they didn't provide all of the necessary backstory to realize that. I think at the end of the day, the the problem is 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 that this is two movies, and that you know a, a lot of the Bond movies problems that we've seen in the Craig era is that had they been more thoughtful and and stretched things out, maybe we could have seen more payoffs work out a little bit differently. Whereas there's a lot of retconning in this film. Again, right. we're going back to Mr. White. Again, we're going back to the 90s. There's um, enough plot for this five-movie, 15-year yeah. arc for seven or eight movies. Like Definitely. they had back in the Roger Moore, Sean Connery era. Sure. and they I think they didn't do it. <laughs> they didn't do that. And, and, you know, having said that, I think his performance is really menacing. I think he really nails kind of this weirdo scary villain type in a way that you know even javier bordem is really more of a an inverse james bond than he is a a a dr no style bad guy and to go back to this kind of bad guy in the james bond movies we've just watched i think was very refreshing and fulfilling to fans of the franchise however had they you know maybe given him more to do and and kind of fleshed out his character in different ways, maybe making him some kind of integral part of the snatch of the virus, a la the Joker in the bank sequence in the beginning of The Dark Knight, or showing him more menacing, torturing, you know, which is fucked up, but, you know, or ra- torturing or raising Leah Sadu, you know, to say, okay, he was a bigger part of her life, he was a smaller part of a life, but he was more impactful. Yeah. You could have kind of had a little bit more um, leeway on either on either side, whereas to kind of make him off as this masked man, this kind of you know mysterious guy, allows you for the suspension of disbelief to see the ending, but again, not as fulfilling as it would have been to really flesh this out in the way that they could have. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you completely. I just feel like he wasn't in enough of the movie. We didn't see enough of his... Because uh, when he was on screen, he was really great. And like his monologues and everything were fantastic. Um, I just... I didn't feel... And it, it, he created a, a very, very real threat. I, like, Don't get me wrong. Um, he was definitely an evil villain. Yeah. Uh, but... <sighs> They just, also foiled him in a perfect way, like to have him play with the kid towards the end of the movie. Yeah. I thought was really smart to kind of show like the tremendous weakness of this guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. That like he can't even like understand enough to like, you know, fucking manipulate this child. 
you know, he's only thinking about himself. He's only thinking about his plan. And I think that that kind of humanization of him was really powerful. But like, what really was his plan again? So like he got, Oh, it's so complicated. It's so so complicated. He, he's got the, the virus and he's, he wants to like, he's mass producing it in this lab on this Island. And he's going to release it onto the world to just kill. Is it random people or is it, it's that list, right? Well, it's, it's the, it's the, the list wasn't fleshed out and should have been more fleshed out. But the idea from the plot, as I understand it, was that once you had enough similar genetic background of the people to pass the virus around, that it would allow for this kind of pandemic situation where it would reach critical mass and it could wipe out entire, you know, subgenetic, uh, I'm not going to say subgenetic, you know, uh, relatives, you know what I mean? Where he's talking to a nomi. Uh, you think right he's talking there or the doctor even is talking he's like yeah because that in some way we're all connected right at some point our all, all of our dna is kind of connected and the farther you go back the more crossover there is um and that could create but it's like why why does he want to do this again that's right what, uh, there's no real it's because he wants to be evil and he wants to uh you know, Spectre did this thing to his family. He wanted, but he to... doesn't. But that's the whole point. Like they didn't need to explain his reason. He just wants to do this bad thing. You know, whereas in a Prosnan Bond movie, we would have had, you know, minutes of him explaining. Well, my father never loved me, but he was constantly trying to get ahead in Stalin's regime until he was put in the gulag, and then he came out of the gulag. <laughs> like. Like, at least in this movie, like, we don't have to deal with any of that. Like, he wants the seat of his family's power restored. Okay. You know, and that to me felt very, that's believable. I believe him. And and you know what? Like, I think the main thing is he wins. Yeah, he does. (laughs) Yeah, he does. And so as much as it's like, I don't really love everything that they do, like, He's the one. No, the twisty, twisty twist is oof. So I gave him a six. You gave him a seven. Um, for the twist, for the twisty twist. Yeah, I, maybe I could have given him a little bit more, but again, I, I kind of I, I loaded that more into plot than necessarily into villain. But um, I still don't want to get there. So let's keep going. Uh, physical, it's okay. Physical antagonist. Um, Gosh, this, guy <laughs> this guy sucked. This guy sucked. Yeah, he kind of sucked. So um, apparently his name is Primo. Mm. Uh, I appreciate the fact that we had a, uh, had a physical antagonist and that he was there from the beginning and he kept fighting him throughout the movie. But like, I don't know. He just didn't really have any like presence. I, I kept being like, oh, I thought that guy died already. Oh, I thought that guy died already. <laughs> like... And the fact that he's like still there at the end of the movie, I'm like, really? He just yeah. seems like a bro. Yeah, you know? he's. It... <sighs> You're he's... right. He's not. It's not like Jaws. He's not Dave see... Batista, and why they he's didn't bring Dave... him back, Ooh. I don't understand. There's no Dave way Batista... Dave Batista died off that train. Come on, D- dude. Dave Batista is in Dune, and Dave Batista talks about Dune like he's like it's. He is a very significant role. So I think we're going to see like major Dave Batista stuff in the next couple of weeks. Great. 
Um, he's a Harkonnen. He's one of the really, really bad guys. Um, I think that he's going to be, he's very, he didn't do Bane or no, no, no. Wasn't he was like, he was trying to be Bane and he didn't get to be Bane in Suicide Squad. So then he was like, I'm going to go be a major character in Dune. Something like that. <laughs> like that. He's, he's very smart with his choices, you know, like he say what you want about him. I think he's very intelligent with the roles that he takes. I think his role inspector as brief as it is, he is menacing. And he's I think super that, menacing and, and brutal. And, you know, I would have loved to seen him come back here again, but uh, for us to see more of him and I really want to see Stuber and, and I get, I, I want to see more Dave Batista. I think he's yeah. just, he's a very good guy. This guy, I didn't give a fuck about. You're yeah. right. Like, had they cast maybe a, a more you know recognizable actor or or somebody to keep us quasi invested in who this guy was like I, I think that's it he was really generic looking yeah and you know I'm sorry to um whatever your the name cycloptic is. community uh but like it just it it didn't it, I didn't always get the vibe that I was like oh this is the same guy it just it didn't stick with me um although he had a pretty awesome death. <laughs> he is a, he is an incredible death. He's an incredible death. Uh it's it's oof, one of the nice little CGI moments of that movie and it looks believable too where it's like this guy's eye is short-circuiting his fucking brain. This is fantastic. <laughs> and and Bond delivers the best line. What does I, he say? I think it's like I blew his mind. <laughs> oh, fucking A. <laughs> So, Classic Roger Moore. That's so, like so OG Sean Connery so shit good. right there. <laughs> so uh, I gave him a four. You gave him a five. Yeah, I gave him a five because I feel like the idea that his name is Cyclops is fun. I don't. Uh, it's Primo. Yeah, I think that he'll be remembered as Cyclops. That's what Bond calls him. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. James this Bond. Is, this is the big one. This is the big one. So again, we, we, we talked about this earlier. We said, you know, thank you. Um, and uh, and. Again, also thank you, but where I think we're going to differentiate here, and this is the big spoiler, is that this this Bond has to do something no other Bond has ever had to do in the entire history of the franchise, which is believe and understand that they're about to die. Yep. And, you know, the whole movie, I'm like, there's no way. There's no way they're going to kill him. That's so obvious. The name of the movie... Like, yeah, he'll go on, but I think that they want to, in my head, I was like, they want to keep him alive so that they can come back to him later on. Maybe he becomes a new M, you know? I don't know. But, you know, the idea that they would definitively kill this character is something I've never, I, I never could have imagined. And I only could have accepted in this exact format. Yeah. What do you let's just talk about that. What do you think about that? So I I kind of am in the camp of I felt like this was going to happen. Not spoiled, mm. not anything like that. I just was like, right. I could see them killing him. Um, You know, thinking about the context of he's been bond for 15 years or really hammering home. This is his his final movie. Um, we've, we've kind of heard the, the back and forth from Daniel Craig over the years of like, he loves making these, he hates making these blah, blah, blah. It's the Han Solo Harrison Ford effect, right? Yeah, it really is. Um, so 
I just, I, I don't know. As we got towards like the middle to the third act, I'm like, I kind of have a feeling I know where this is going. And, and, and it, it did go the way I thought. Now, what I will say is that it was a very specific choice that they made. And like we were saying earlier, like they had to draw a line in the sand and make plot reasons for why things had to happen this way. Um, and like added like another 10 to 15 minutes to the movie where like in a normal James Bond movie, it ends with him saving the day, getting on the boat and, you know, yeah, but they like they had to re go through the loop of like, nope, the things are closing. You got to go back to find the guy, blah, blah, blah. And then ultimately, you know, the rest happens. So I, maybe they wrote two endings. Maybe they were like, I don't know how we want to do this. Maybe they shot two. I well, think- I, that's usually what they're, they're doing now. Like even going back and listening to what they did for even like a show like Sopranos, like they shot m- multiple endings of, of the finale and multiple endings, endings, whereas they were trying to deceive people who were leaking. You know, we got to imagine that's why we thought that there was going to be a wedding at the end of Endgame. Turns out to be a funeral. You know what I mean? Like there were people who had seen what they're setting up and looking at the shots and being like, oh, well, they can't be doing this. They're obviously doing this, you know? And I think we live in this kind of world where, you know, we've seen a Batman you know, almost die. We've seen Iron Man fully die. Mm-hmm. And to see this now, I think we were, the culture is finally ready to accept this. And, and they did it. The, again, the saving grace for me is that plot point from the villain where he has this insurance policy, where he has the virus encoded to his daughter and his, and his lover that if he sees them again, he will kill them. And to me, as a man, if that was the truth, I would rather die. <laughs> you know, like I, I feel that. So I think for the guys who are, you know, super duper James Bond, you know, and they're like, he would never do that. I think bullshit. I think look at your fucking kid. I think look at your wife. I think look at your world. I, I think that this is a, this is a sacrifice to be fitting of a James Bond. Right. Yeah. The, like. And the thing is that he had a choice to make. Yeah. He was either going to save the world and be able to live, but never see them again. Absolutely. Or he had to save the world and sacrifice his life because he was never going to be able to see them again. Like it, he couldn't do both. He was, he was too injured. He wasn't going to get off that island. Like that was never going to be the case. And so, yeah, it felt very Dark Knight. I mean, Dark Knight obviously has the ambiguous. Uh, Dark Knight Rises rather um, has that ambiguous ending. Is he alive or not? Um, but it also right. really, really felt Endgame to me. Like he had the Tony Stark sacrifice. Like, oh yeah, and and you and it's earned. And it's like um, amazing how we're like we're on the missile silo island. And he's going to, he's, he's going to, he's going to go. Yeah. You know, I I was, I was crying. (laughs) I was, I was, I was close, man. I wasn't all the way there only because once you kind of figured it out, I was just too busy processing it. Yeah. You know, I was just like, Oh my God. Oh, and I think oh that's because God. like I said, I, I kind of felt like it was going to come. It. And so like I, as the movie was getting towards the end, I'm like, Oh my God, 
this is going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It just like got me towards the end there. And, you know, it's like, again, to his performance, like this, he did an amazing and incredible job over these movies. Um, and, you know, just elevated this character. No other James Bond has died. Like that's a, that's crazy. It's crazy. It's really crazy. And, and you believe it, you feel it. It's earned. Like, it's just, it doesn't, you know, how many bond movies are there? It ends. You think he's dead and he's back in M's office at the end, you know, like, right. Whereas this movie, like you get all those beats and you get the idea from Endgame and from the MCU and from television that no, 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 we got to sit on this. Yeah. We're not going to have, it's not going to be Zack Snyder Superman funeral. We got to sit with M. We got to sit with the, these other characters and watch them. We got to sit with Q when he sees the life monitoring go away, you know, like, like that's like like definitive, right? There's no, definitely. And he knew even beforehand, like, he's like, Oh yeah, you're not making it out of this. And you know, he has to be put on the phone with, with, with Madeline and everything. And yeah. And then he sees the life monitor go out. It's which like, uh, we didn't, we breezed past this before, but like Felix died in this movie too. And I, I really felt the death of Felix maybe a little bit harder only because I was again, like it kind of set the expectation that they're, they're going, they're going hard now. They kill. We're not (laughs) killed everybody. They're killing everybody. And and you're like, Oh, I love this guy. And I loved, I loved his characterization. I I liked the, the arc of this guy. I I liked his look. Like it, it was, it was so much more than just the idea of what Felix was in the old movies, you know, where it's, yeah, that's just a CIA liaison. Like, no, this is his friend. It's you his know? friend and it's his brother. And you get this definitive sense this time around that James has grown up a little Definitely. bit more. And he, he like really does mourn him. And like, whereas I'm thinking back to, I, I guess it's, I was, it was Casino. Um, it is Casino Royale. Um, what is his name? Mathis yeah, or something yeah, yeah. where he fucking dump, throws him in a dumpster. Right. And it's like, that was so brutal. Um, but it, it's not beyond the language of those guys, you know, like it, it's, right. it, you know, they have to do what they have to do for the country, you know, for the countries they represent. But again, right. like, I don't know. I, I was bummed to see Jeffrey Wright go. I thought, Oh, they'll, they'll keep him around. They'll keep him in more movies. No, they, they're going to yeah. need a rebrand of, of Felix, but that that's fine. And but yeah. uh, and, and it was really sad because like you, you think maybe he's going to get out of there. And then, it's yeah, like, yeah. no, like you got to you got to keep going. And he was he knew his fate and he was kind of able to. To go at that time and, and, and try to, you know, influence James to, to keep going and move on and get out of there and survive. Um, super I, sad. Um, but again, t- t- testament back to both of them, Jeffrey Wright and Daniel Craig for great performance during that, that scene. Oh yeah. And you know, I think that this is maybe, I hope I really do. I, I think that in a way that, you know, Robert Downey Jr. Wasn't nominated for the MCU and Endgame. I could see Mr. Craig getting a little nomination for this one. Uh, <sighs> If I, I, I hope so. That would be I, great. I, I think so. I think that Bond means so much to cinema and to and to people. And 
the performance that he gives here where he's funny, but he's sweet and he's, um, you know, you're really living. We lived with him. He, and I said this to Megan too, that he talks so much in this movie. Yeah. Way more like think about like Casino Royale, like how, how different he was and how he was just brooding and quiet and just whatever the whole time. And it was such more of a physical performance than that. It just evolved over time. Um, I, I loved it. I think it's, I, I just really like to see that evolution of, of what he's done. And, um, you know, just some of the lines he has and, and like, Oh, like I, it, it, the scenes with Mallory and stuff like that. It's like, man, he's just really, He's not holding back anymore. He just, he just didn't give a shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. I think, listen, just... I'm so grateful to have grown up in the Craig era. I think this is the this is his best performance of any of the other movies. Um, I think he'll be his, you know... And, and we could talk about this in other podcasts, but I think his legacy may not be solely this movie, but I think you would... that. You could watch the movies in any order. You're going to end on this one. Yep. You have to. You have to. You have to. You have to. You have to get to this culmination point. Um, yeah, so now we have a couple. If you want, if whatever. But um, th- so we got two kind of easy categories and then one category. I'm sure we'll take we'll take maybe another little bit more time on it. I think the legacy continuity moment, the relevancy of this movie is obviously a 10. I think that this is, again, we've talked about the culmination of these five movies of 15 years of playing James Bond seeing the character really change and grow. And, uh, you know, obviously the, the care that goes into that here and the, the retconning even of itself is, is, is artful. Yeah. What do um, you think? I, I, I agree. 10. Um, this movie did something that no other bond has ever done before killing James Bond. You know, they actually gave a great send off to the character. Um, and it, it, obviously we were already saying how relevant it feels in terms of like, the virus and all that. Um, I think the the point you were making before, if he gets nominated, that gives us like an 11, right? It just, Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, that takes it to a whole different level. A whole um, level. So great on, on that category. I think on the special effects category, uh, again, um, me and you are both on uh, 10, 10 is on the boards. Uh, why? Um, I think that, Again, I, I had missed the sci-fi elements of the James Bond franchise. And I think that while, you know, you can even see what did we give Spectre um, for for uh, uh, this, this rating? We had seven, eight. Oh, pretty good. But even still, I think this movie kind of mixes, you know, sci-fi elements with the realism. I think that knowing that motorcycle jump at the beginning is really shot on film you know, the, the, the stunt actors, the, the action that they do to shoot these films is unprecedented. I highly recommend that you guys go and watch the behind the scenes featurettes on these documents, these, these DVDs, they're on the, they're on YouTube, a lot of them go and look at the process of making a bond movie because it's, it's really much more than the director and Daniel Craig. It really is an entire industry of people from the, stunt coordinators to the production designers to the people that are setting up um you know the squibs like there's just so much love and care in every stitch of this movie 
and you know the the magnetic sequence the explosion sequence in london at the beginning of the movie um i'm also going to throw into this category the cinematography because again this movie is gorgeous everything is centered the fog and the forest the the shots of london at the beginning of the day uh Just the like amazing the, the, the ice sequence with uh, the ice the, the ice cuba the havana sequence like it just it's it's just so gorgeous and so thoughtfully crafted and uh you know the, again like the teams that are making these movies like it's thousands and thousands of people and it's not just like endgame where it's people who are making you know animations or cgi to look as believable as they possibly can get for you to suspend your disbelief that ant-man is fighting thanos or whatever but <laughs> the reality is like so much of these movies have been dependent on capturing real practical special effects. And Frank and I are such huge fans of that. And so appreciative that the bond family and the bond community goes and makes these stunts real. Right. And, and you know, it, in some sense, like you could think that, Oh, every movie that comes out is going to have better special effects of the one after that. But yeah, the, the, but the reality is that because of, like the mixture of digital and practical, like you, you got to find the sweet spot. And, and a lot of the movies that we've watched really do that. Um, and this one really just nails it. And, and it, it's, it would have been a real I bummer if, if, <laughs> if across the board were like, yeah, this movie's awesome. And then like the special effects were crap, right? Like it just, it's well, just firing on all cylinders and it's, it, it goes back to the direction controversial theory for again for the end of this podcast i think bond directors should just get one movie mm. i think it should be like how warner brothers is going with dc i don't think you bring on people for multiple films they're not executing a vision i think that you bring somebody on you turn them and you burn them and you move on to the next one i think that's fine I you know, know i what what else are they going to do what else is sustainable here like well, it, it's just it, it it's that level of ownership like it should, and it should be for Bond even especially more impactful because it's not just you know it's not fifty years of comic books and twenty years of movies. We're talking about seventy years of movies, seventy years of iconic action and 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 uh, imagery, and and even more so with the books. Like I think that they should think about an auteur kind of styling. Yeah, and and that maybe that could be. You bring Nolan in. Nolan has a very heady, complex bond. Nobody understands. You bring in Dennis Villeneuve. Everything's dark. You don't know what's going on. You know, like it's that kind of idea. You like you, you yeah. work with different directors. You get different ideas. You execute that singularly. You're not filling their head up with what they could or can't do in the sequel, and you're just focusing on making tremendously great. Pictures. And I think they've mostly been doing that in the modern era, like looking at the list here, like from yeah, from Pierce Brosnan on, the only one to repeat now, like Martin Campbell, he did two, but Mendes. not in a row, and Sam Mendes. Like, I think you see that the first time out, they nail it, <laughs> or Martin Campbell yep. nailed it in both uh, Golden Eye and. Well, he's a, he's the exception to the rule, right? Like, he, I don't know how you how you do that, but Sam Mendes first time got it just walk away yeah stay on top right so yeah. um yeah i i agree with you i think that's a, a great idea um all right so now score Ooh, and our song. favorite favorite category da -da 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 -da. 
All right. No time to die. Billie Eilish. <sighs> do I love this song? No. Um, <laughs> do I think that the score of this movie and that the score of every Daniel Craig theme has integrated a specific theme for his bond and maybe that is more fabulous than anything? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know, go back and listen to, cause I was listening to it this week. I was listening to, uh, um, the Cornell song, the, from Casino Royale, right. the, uh, Jack White, Ashley Keys song and the, um, obviously Skyfall as well as, um, the writings on the wall from Sam Smith. Um, they're all based off this kind of three chord, progression Mm -hmm. and in that way you kind of have this like theme for our craig's bond combine that with the musical genius style talents and stylings of hans our buddy our big boy hans zimmer yep this movie is a rock concert i yeah I think the, the differentiating factor between our scores is I probably like the Billie Eilish song a little bit more than you do. Uh, okay. I, I I like it. It gets stuck in my head a little bit, uh, and I'm cool with that. Um, it's not very okay. – um, it is called No Time to Die, right? I believe. Yeah. Or, uh, But it doesn't, like, hammer it home like some of the older movies where it's like <laughs> – no, you're right. It's like, kind of a regular song. Yeah. And to their credit, like the ability for these songs to stand alone beyond Bond is their staying power. Yeah. Right? Like it's not only like like people can listen to Shirley Basie, Goldfinger, but like in context, right? Like it, you would be really nuts to like play that at a party. <laughs> but like, you know, if you play No Time to Die from Billy Eilish, they'll be like, oh, this is cool. It's from the Bond movie. All right, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but what I wanted to talk about is like I think that the Dark Knight score has a lot of influence on this score, and that could be the Hansness of it all. Probably. But it's it's specifically that da na 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 and he's not he gonna, can he builds tension. He's not gonna just come in out of nowhere. He's gonna be like, "All right, what did the other guys do?" And he's gonna take all the things that really, you know, gelled with the movies and what people like, and he he put it together. And I I, I mean, again, like you have this ending that you have to build up to, and I don't know. It, it really I, to me it really worked. So. um I gave it a nine, and you again, gave it an eight. Again, largely the success of a score is when you're not thinking about it. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. It's when it really fades into the moment where you, where the music and the cinema blends together, you know, that you're so lost in it. And I think that he achieves that. I wish he had they had brought him in earlier. I think he yeah. would have killed it. I think he would have been... <laughs> He, yeah. I Whereas a director should be one and done. I think a, a, a composer can really come into their own after a few entries. 
yeah, build some John Williams style themes. You know what I mean? Like, let's have a Leia Seydu theme. Let's have a, <laughs> you know, we have a Princess Leia theme. Let's have a Leia Seydu theme. Let's have a, <laughs> let's have a, let's have a Q theme. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, we'd fucking scream I, our I pants. I love that. I love that. Well, I mean, you and, know, and like the, obviously you get that in the Avengers too, but every character kind of has their own from their own movies. Uh, but exactly. Yeah. I'd love that. So somehow, some way, even though we didn't yeah. give the same score to every category here, we match. If you did mm-hmm. the math, which I don't think you should have because we were not very focused, 86 is from both AJ and I, which B plus, which is kind of how I feel about this movie. Yeah. Uh, maybe like if I was just going to score it, maybe out of nowhere, I probably maybe would give a little higher than that. But I I really enjoyed it. Is it my favorite Daniel Craig? Probably not. Is it my favorite James Bond movie? Probably not. But it certainly did something new, and it did something that we've never seen before, and maybe we won't see again. And it it, it was really a fitting culmination to the saga for for the James 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 Bond Daniel Craig era of Bond, and. I, I feel like they nailed the landing as, as good as they could have. It's a good movie. Like, I, I think that's, we, that's something we, I definitely didn't take for granted in watching all these bond movies. They're not all good movies, <laughs> you know? And, and I think that we, we've seen so many movies now and, you know, the language of movies has changed so much, but, even still, the idea the idea that we can look at Octopussy and be like, this is an objectively bad movie, and look at, you know, Skyfall as being a rock concert, like it's just it's two or Casino Royale even, like it's just two different kind of ways of looking at cinema. And I'm so glad that this movie ends righteously. It like you're not you're almost not supposed to love the end of this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's bittersweet. Well, so you're it's so bittersweet. You know, yeah. we're seeing the the end of our favorite guy, the guy who humanized James Bond in a way. Will they ever figure that out how to do that again? Maybe not. You know, like Yeah, and I think it, there's going to be a lot of people that are not going to like the end because they Oh, don't. there's going to be people who hate this. Yes. Right. But but that that's the beauty of something that what is it Vision says? Like it's not it, uh, Humanity, like it doesn't last forever, or like um, it's not beautiful, beautiful because it lasts. It lasts you know, yeah, that's it. Um, and 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 that's I think one of the the best things about endings. I love endings. I, you know, sometimes it ended they, like it, they they don't stick landings to... sometimes, but when they do, it's awesome. The endings from a definitive creator are not supposed to fulfill like our individual ideas. It's supposed to fulfill the character. And if you solely think about who this James Bond was, he's fulfilled. Yeah. And and, and it, they tied up all the loose ends. Every single one. Almost annoyingly so. But I'm going to let that pass. So I, I think, yeah, man, this was like, it's it's crazy to be at this point of the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I couldn't have imagined being with anybody else. So thank you, my best buddy in the whole world, for doing this with me. Yeah, I can't believe and, you did it. Uh, 25 Bond movies. We wa- we fucking did it, man. We watched them all. We thought about it. We told everybody what we I, thought. I have one interesting point looking at our 
um, our chart here, we mm. scored this higher than Casino Royale. Ooh. Casino Royale was at the beginning of everything, so I don't know how much I trust our scores. You know, maybe we go back and feel a little differently now, but um, yeah, that that's an interesting point. I mean, whereas the rest of his, I, I kind of agree with that. It's uh, it's not the best, but it's not. It's middle of the pack, you know. So yeah. Um, so I think this is the question everybody has been lingering on now, and there'll probably be more podcasts about this and more tweets and we'll have more thoughts about it. But I just real quickly for the fans who are, who are, who know that we've been thinking about it and talking about it. What do you think they're going to do next, Frank? Well, so I don't know if you stayed until the end of the movie, but spoiler alert, he's not. alive. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> uh, oh, I would have <laughs> lost my shit. <laughs> No, but at the very end of the, the, the credits, as every James Bond has, is James Bond will return. Really? Yeah. Mm. So, to me, while I think that they could, and I would be there for it, do a spinoff of 007 with Lashana Lynch and maybe some of these other characters, maybe not everybody, but some of them, I Tanner, think that, at least the Tanner, you know, maybe, maybe you get a cameo of M, maybe Money Penny or something like that. That would be cool, Money Penny and and Double O Seven, like a female led movie. Cool. I I don't know. I think they, what they're telling us is that they are taking a break. I mean, they've taken fucking so many breaks. <laughs> it took five years for mm-hmm. this movie to come out, but uh. They're not casting yet. They're going to take their time and think about it. I think they're going to recast Bond and they're going to reboot. Now, will they have two side things going and do like this spinoff movie, see how it performs and then reboot? Maybe. But there's going to be a new James Bond uh, before the end of the decade. Ooh. That's what you think? Yep. Hmm. And it's okay. only the beginning of the decade, so like that's a pretty good bet. <laughs> it's pretty that's a pretty good bet, Franks. Um, I'm gonna. So I know that I've said this before on our own podcast, but again, I think this is the best way forward. I think the best future for Bond is to go closer to the Ian Fleming novels and to reboot into period pieces and to mm-hmm. kind of go closer to what they were link up more of the continuity a la the MCU and to play off the nostalgia of what was the Sean Connery movies while bringing in other elements that we couldn't have seen during the film language of that time. Uh, And that that may be a good way to continue the franchise going forward. Having said that, I don't think that's very likely looking at where this bond leaves off. So my only hope is that they are excruciatingly thoughtful about what comes next. I think that there is something to be said that there needs to be a tremendously long break between this film and the next film. I think it needs to be five years plus. I think people need to be hurting for Bond. I think we need almost the idea of secret agents and spycraft to become vogue again. I think we're seeing it a little bit in uh, 
the news. I don't know if you saw over the weekend, but there was a, a couple that were arrested by the FBI who were selling secrets to uh, China about our nuclear submarines. Hmm. Um, I think that, you know, spycraft is alive and well. We've never really seen modern social media and internet computing power as the central, central plot of a modern Bond movie. And I think that that's an easy plot for them to play with. Um, I also don't think that Bond works outside of his general parameters. So I wouldn't want to see like a post-apocalyptic Bond or like a a Bond in the middle of World War III. But I would see, and I think that maybe, again, they're very inspired by reactive ideas, what-ifs. I would see it. I would see, you know, what if Bond failed to stop Dr. No? What if uh, Goldmember succeeded? What if, or Goldfinger, what if, um, <laughs> you know, all this different shit? Like, yeah. m- maybe think about it. I would just, I hope that they are thoughtful. That's my only hope, is, so, that, is that they think about it. Yeah. The other thing that I think I pitched a long time ago, too, when we were talking about these, would be, a return. Yes, I agree with you. We talked about this. Uh, you know, a Pierce Brosnan, a Pierce Brosnan, a Timothy Dalton return could be fucking awesome. Yeah, that could be really fun. Um, because again, something they've never done before, something that they really don't have that many opportunities left to do. Yes. Uh, you know, it's like, you've only got these actors around, um, Although Lazenby might be alive still, but he ain't doing it. No, um, he's he's not included. <laughs> uh, and so, and, and and knowing the way that Craig is is done, I can't see him ever coming back. No, he's so, really quite done. So, like, if you want to go back and have a fun time and see what's up with Pierce Brosnan's Bond, uh, you know, twenty years later or whatever it is, I'm there for it. That could be a good time. Um, uh, I, I I like your dear idea of period piece too. I think that could be fun. I think the hard thing about it is that Bond always tries to push the envelope and how do you make it like not feel really so old. old and racist and sexist, <laughs> you know, like, no, you're right. Uh, you know, I don't think Bond works on TV. I think Bond must remain in the cinemas yeah. and I think that they're so smart the geniuses at MGM to keep this movie in a fucking theater. Like that had to be some financial fucking stugats. Well, like, come on, man. And the thing I I was going to say about this before, like I wonder part of the reason why this movie didn't do as well, the box office, they had to market it so many fucking times. You're right. Three different times. Like how much money they spent on marketing that just went down the drain. And they were just like, I don't know. People know it's coming. <laughs> I don't feel like it was like really out there this time around. Like that was like, oh my God, down your throats. Bond is coming out this weekend. Maybe that's why people didn't go. I don't know. Um, no, there's still taxi cabs from 2020, you know? <laughs> uh, it's It was definitely a feat to overcome. And only, you know, it's also interesting. Like I only think that this movie could have come out at this time, you know? Like, yeah. It would have been very different to see this movie in a non-COVID world, you know, yeah. like just plays so differently. And I, I don't know. But I, I'm, I'm glad listen, I saw it in the theater. 
Me too. Of I'm, the other movies that have come out this year and the ones I've watched at home, you know, some of them I would have probably rather seen the movie theater, but also like this, this made, this was important to me and I'm glad it wasn't even available at home because I, I don't even think I would have gone. I think I, I, I or wouldn't have watched it at home. I would have gone to the theater if I had the choice. Well, listen, folks, you've been listening to us talk about James Bond for a very long time. <laughs> 24 episodes and then two hours plus here. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so, 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 so much. Um, it's such a fucking gift to be able to do this. And especially with one of my best buddies in the history of the universe, Mr. Frank Marsilio, the man holding down the rhythm of my life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, thank you, dude. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Daniel Craig. Thank you, everybody. Um, what a fucking joy it is to get to do this. We have more stuff coming out. Um, there's a lot of content hitting the world this October. It's Probably a lot. more content than Frank and I were absolutely ever prepared to do. No, but so, we, we both have watched all of What If. We've watched all of What If. We thought it would be annoying to hassle you guys every week with a new episode. Uh, we, you know, we are going to see Venom. Um, I've heard that it's a movie. Uh, yeah. you know, if you guys watch the Sopranos, I am about to watch the movie immediately after I get done with this phone call. Um, but there's also Dune. There's also the Eternals. There is a tremendous amount of stuff coming out this month. There's also great stuff on Disney plus right now. Um, and I just, we live in a, a total fucking, overstimulated world of content. So if you just hang with us, um, Frank and I are going to try to do our best to get these episodes out before the babies are here. And uh, once that happens, um, we will see you on the other side. But for the next couple of weeks, stay tuned. Keep listening. Let us know if you have any thoughts, what you thought of James Bond. What I, We got a lot of interest from people who wanted to be on the podcast today. I am sorry. This had to be me and Frank. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, be well we think we're thinking about you guys we love you and we'll see you next week and as always you can find us on our website at www.longlostheroes.net you can email us at info at longlostheroes.net you can find us on itunes on spotify on stitcher google podcasts uh you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter at llh podcast I think that's all the things that we normally say. It's been a while. Thank you for being here. And uh, anything else for you tonight, AJ? I am so good. This was a true pleasure. Thank you, buddy. Thank you so much. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you.